The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, we are live and looking at the clock, it is 5.10 p.m. Eastern time which is always a good thing as UFC Long Island has come to an end. And ladies and gentlemen, especially if you are newer fans, we have learned a valuable lesson. The MMA gods giveth and they taketh away within a matter of minutes. And that is what has happened during this card. UFC Long Island is shaping up to be One of the great ones, when we look back on fight night events, the whole card was really solid. We had a lot of finishes, a lot more than a lot of people expected. And then the main event ends with heartbreak. Brian Ortega, Yair Rodriguez, we were looking forward to a war between these two guys. And in the end, it ends abruptly. Brian Ortega suffers a shoulder injury, looks like a torn labrum. Yair Rodriguez gets the victory, but does he get a title shot after this? I have a feeling that question is going to come up here on the UFC Long Island post-fight show. Thank you for joining us. I am Mike Heck, joined by the rest of the trio here. We got Jose Youngs. We got Jed Mishu. The takes will be fiery. They will be fiery indeed. Jed? Oh, no. Well, let's start with you, Jed. You are, as many people know from watching BTL and all the programs we do. You are very high. You are a very big fan of the work that Brian Ortega has put in inside the octagon. Huge fan. Big, big fan. So after seeing the way that this fight unfolded, the way that it ended, what is your reaction to it all? I'm sure it's the same as everybody's, but let's just hear it from the man himself. Yeah, it sucks. Um, it, It sucks because like I'm... There's a part of me that's like, well, at least he didn't win because I really just super don't like when Brian Ortega wins, which he does a lot. So that's unfortunate for me. Um, But this is like the least fun way for him to lose. Just like an obvious, not a real thing. Like, oh, that was just, just a, a, we don't, flukes are, are, is a word I don't like to use a lot in fighting because like, it's not really a lucky punch. You throw the punch and it lands. You were trying to punch the dude and that, you know, that's just how the cookie crumbles, but it's obviously a fluke sort of event and, and how that happened. And so it's just a bummer, uh, especially because that fight was really fun too. Like, I mean, it wasn't like really fun. It wasn't Matt Snell, Sumo fun, but like they were getting after it on the feet. There was that big, long 
clinch, which was whatever, but Ortega had just gotten him down and it looked like, okay, well, there's a minute left and now now we're going to do the Ortega thing. Like this, this could be a really fun back and forth battle. And then it just, aside from the fact that it also ended so awkwardly, because I, I was doing the live blog and I, I was like typing something at the time and then all of a sudden there's like, wait, what's happening? I look up from whatever I was writing. It's like, oh, Brian Ortega is, uh, this is weird. What It's like, yeah, the fight's over and that happens. So uh, it sucks as a man who has also uh, torn his labrum to shreds. I can tell you that that sucks and all of that is crappy. Uh, and so it's just really unfortunate, especially as the capper two and otherwise pretty fun card you know but most of the fights were really good or or interesting in some capacity and looked like the best of the fights was going to be the main event and so we were going to have a really spec uh, spectacular you know card and then it ends like that and that always leaves a sour taste in your mouth thank you for that jed um as heartbreaking as that all was i think one man might be heartbroken more than anybody it is the other gentleman who's joining us jose youngs because i know this i was in Las Vegas with this man for nearly a week. And while people were very excited for this main event, I think you were as excited, if not more excited than anybody, Jose. Yaya Rodriguez, Brian Ortega. This is one of the ones that you really wanted to be there for live and you weren't able to make it, unfortunately. But just watching it play out the way that it did, it was such a historic main event for this card and it ends like this. What is your reaction to it all? Yeah, it sucks. This was for the culture, obviously. Just not long ago, we didn't even really have a lot of Hispanic, especially specifically Mexican-born UFC fighters. We obviously the UFC put a lot of uh, stuff, like a lot of stock in Cain Velasquez and Henry Cejudo and even Tito Ortiz would walk out with the Mexican flag uh, back in the day. But we didn't really have, you know, one of those like tried and true Mexican fighters. And now, obviously, Brandon Moreno won. We have Irene who's doing her thing, uh, but we didn't have this epic main event that we, you know. I feel like in boxing, it's not as big of a deal for two countrymen to fight, especially when because like Mexican fighters are down to fight whoever, even if they're from Mexico, they'll fight a fellow Mexican in Mexico and they won't even bat an eye. That's just how they are. So uh, people were complaining that this fight was on Long Island, which was just lazy because this was, like I said, an historic moment. Didn't really matter where it took place. I think a lot of people that were complaining about that weren't actually Hispanic or Mexican-American. They were just whining to whine. Um, and it's just unfortunate that this happened because now this is what we're talking about. Like, what does this do for Yair? Should he fight for the title? Brian, sir, like, was he, would he have won the fight, this and that? Uh, and we saw all the broadcast saying, like, oh, Mexican warriors, this and that. That's a real thing. So a lot of people I saw on Twitter, they're like, why do they hammer this home? Because it's a thing and it's actually – you know, that's how they, how we fight. So it's just an unfortunate situation all around. This would be like if Canelo fought uh, Juan uh, Chavez Jr. at the time. In hindsight, Chavez Jr., I've said it's a few times kind of a bum when it comes to boxing. Doesn't, you know, kind of looks for ways out, cheats a lot, does banned substances, can't handle his weight. Uh, but at the time when they fought, specifically on Cinco de Mayo, that was a big deal. And if this had happened with a torn labrum, labrum four minutes or half of a round into a fight into the round one 
it would have been a bummer. This is a bummer. I hope they do run it back eventually. I do like how Yair said that he's down to run it back uh, if Brian wants and if the UFC wants, but he hopes it's for the title because that would be an even bigger deal. And then by then, hopefully, Mexico can get their situation under control because, yes, COVID did run rampant. Uh, throughout the country but it is also going through a lot of crime and a lot of murders right now so for all the people that were saying why is this not in mexico you can't really have it in mexico at the moment uh, i'm sure you could find a smaller venue but if that's for the title you want to put it in a Rio ciudad which is not the safest area <laughs> presently in 2022 so hopefully when they run it back they can do that and they can get their situation under control but yeah in terms of just a fight fan this sucks. I was really looking forward to this. The last time I felt like this was I was hammering. I was such a big fan of Charles Oliveira at Featherweight, and I was a big fan of Max Holloway at Featherweight. And then I don't know if you remember that fight card. That fight card was the opposite of this fight card. That fight card sucked. And then I was like, the whole time I was like, you know, now it was like prime UFC on like FS1, where it was just awful pacing. And the whole time I'm telling myself, I'm like, oh, you know what? Charles Oliveira is going to fight Max in like 12 hours when we get past the first fight of the night. And then Charles Oliveira like broke his throat or something like that. That's the last time I felt like this. Just disappointed as a fight fan all around. Well, before we continue on with kind of the, the heartbreak of what this all leads to, uh, we have bonuses, fight of the night, no no surprise, Matt Schnell, Sumaderji, absolutely insane fight. What a comeback from Matt Schnell. Performances of the night, Amanda Lemos, Lee Jing Liang, Ricky Simone, Bill Algio, Dustin Jacoby, and Puna Soriano. All got, looks like 50 Gs, so congratulations to all them. Multiple performance bonuses, and if... I'm the UFC. I'm giving Matt Schnell a little under the table performance bonus money as well. Not only should he have gotten fight of the night, this is one of those things where he should have got 100 G's because that comeback was absolutely ridiculous. But I'm not going to complain about multiple bonuses and these fighters making some extra money. So good on them. Here's a card that delivered for the most part, and here we are. So, Jed, I want to I want to ask you because the the thing I keep seeing the most on social media since this fight ending ended was the biggest winner in all of this is blank and there's many different names that have popped up yair obviously getting the win a lot of people felt like pretty much any kind of win gets him a title shot some think it's josh emmett some thinks it's henry it's henry cejudo like henry cejudo was wasn't really factored in but maybe he's the most interesting name in all of this conversation right now fill in that blank is it either of those three guys or is it somebody else let me just start by saying Henry Cejudo is never the most interesting name in any conversation, so that's just obviously <laughs> wrong. Uh, Henry Cejudo didn't gain anything because the Henry Cejudo problem remains the same. The UFC does not care and don't want to do him any favors, and this in no way influenced that. This gave Henry a chance to tweet something that will immediately fall to the ether. Like No one's going to care. Uh, to me, the biggest winner in this is, I would say, Alexander Volkanovsky because – Really big day for him. The vacant UFC lightweight title will now be contested by Charles Oliveira versus Izamakachev at UFC 80 in Abu Dhabi. And he came out and immediately said, hey, I want the winner. And there's been a big momentum shift for him to do that anyway, to get his chance at at a second title. And I think with this sort of instance, this feels like the thing that's going to push him over the hump to just be next in line because – For whatever reason, the UFC has no interest in Josh Emmett getting a title fight. That's why they haven't promoted it or given it really a thought or an effort. 
much to the chagrin of Team Alpha Male and Josh Emmett. Uh, and while the UFC could uh, give Yair Rodriguez a title fight off this, I, there is n- if he had come out here and made a statement win and then got on the mic and was like, hey, uh, let's you, you've only fought two dudes. Let's fight. I'm the number one contender now with a bullet. Let's go. I think that's enough to be like, well, Volk, you're doing great, but you do this one and then you can go. And now I don't, I don't think that same compulsion's there anymore, right? Like I think this is, and that's I want to be also clear on that. That is no no disrespect to Yair. He did nothing wrong. I thought his post fight interview was really good. Like he just assessed the situation honestly, um, and called for a t- you know called for a title fight, but didn't do the promoter title fight call out or whatever. And so I think that the most obvious course of action here is Volk has to sit out anyway. He's got a busted paw. He's going to be out for a bit. You just come out, you tell Volk, hey, you're going to get the winner of this lightweight title fight. Or if something happens between now and 280, because that's that's a while off, you're, you can step in and be the alternate to fight there. Uh, and in the meantime, we're going to create an interim belt between Yair and Josh Emmett. And that's, that's what we're going to do uh, because you're going to be spending the next six months to a year or whatever pursuing this lightweight belt, and we'll do this over here. I think that's... That to me feels like the most obvious outcome with the way things played out today, and that I think that's what's going to happen. You make great points. I actually kind of agree with you there, but the good thing is either way, Jose, Yair will find himself in some kind of a title fight. Either way, if the UFC decides not to go that route, I would still say he's ahead. Yair's still ahead of Josh Emmett in terms of how the UFC views him. And how much they value that fight against Volkanovski probably more than Josh Emmett challenging Volkanovski at this point. But even if Volk does jump to 55 and fight the winner of the Oliveira Makachev fight, there you go. You got Yair versus Josh Emmett for an interim title. And I feel like either way, just pair those two guys up anyway. You, you can you can just throw it. You can just throw an interim title in there no matter what. Like what's who cares? It's just a glorified number one contender fight. There's a belt on the line. They get more money. It's fine. But answer that question. Biggest winner in all of this is blank. Who is it? Uh, I mean, hmm. I don't know. I truly don't know. I have no answer. Because uh, Volkanovski, like he said, he he tweeted what he tweeted, but I, I, I don't even think that's going to happen. Like, yeah, Volkanovski can fight for the lightweight title. I truly don't think that's going to happen. If Charles wins, he's going to fight Connor in Brazil. Facts. If Islam wins, I don't think Islam is going to – his first title defense is going to be against the featherweight champion of the world because Islam will beat him. And then Volkanovski is all of a sudden he lost it's, – it's like Israel Adesanya. Like, oh, you went up and you lost, and now you have to go back down. Cool. I don't know. Yair, maybe like, cause like I said, I said in our Slack channel, like Yair is going to fight for the title no matter what, like you said, whether it's for a fake interim title or for the undisputed title against Alex Volkanovsky. So I guess Yair, Josh Emmett's the biggest loser because as uh, New York Rick on the scene said, Dana White, who's doing the post fight form right now, just that Josh Emmett is quote, one of the guys there. You never want to hear that if you're a fighter, especially someone in like the top three of your division. So <laughs> I guess Yair's the biggest winner and Josh Emmett is the biggest loser. Volkanovski's not even healthy. Henry Cejudo can't even fight until October. So it's kind of a moot point at this point because, like I said, Charles wins. He's fighting Connor. Islam's not going to fight the featherweight champion his first title defense. So we'll, Yair, I guess, by default. 
Yeah, if there's if there's two endings of sentences a fighter doesn't want to hear, one is one of the guys there, and the other one is, yeah, he's in the mix. You don't want to hear either of those two things because that means you're not really in the mix. You are below the other people who are probably in the mix. So, yeah, just a just a rough way for this for this thing to end, and it kind of puts a awfully looking colored bow on what was a a really fun card either way we'll see what happens with the state of the featherweight division moving forward the nba playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nba DraftKings brings you same game parlays live betting odds boosts and so much more don't miss out as the nba postseason winds down and new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. But Amanda Lamos gets a good win in the sportsmanship all the way around from both women. Michelle Watterson Gomez is like, yeah, I tapped to the to the gilly in the second round. Amanda Lamos gets back on track, gets the big win. Li Jing Liang with the second round KO of Muslim Salikov. Just the emotion that was a really cool moment. Match now absolutely ridiculous that fight was insanity gets it done i do want to talk about another featherweight fight that delivered shane burgos versus charles jordan jed Mishu. this fight was insane first round back and forth very competitive second round was clearly a shane burgos round third round charles jordan flips the switch almost 10-8 shane burgos one of the judges saw it that way and actually no he didn't because he gave a 10-8 to shane burgos didn't give the 10-8 to charles jordan i forgot about that so it's a 28-28 the other two judges give it to shane burgos 29-28 giving burgos rounds one and three or one and two excuse me your reaction to the fight did the judges get it right was burgos the rightful winner what do you think uh, fight ruled. It ruled in a way that was very different than I think what we were all expecting, or at least certainly what I was expecting. I thought they were going to chuck mitts for 15 minutes and it was going to be awesome. Uh, and instead, Charles Jordan chucked a lot of mitts and Shane Burgos ate him a lot. But uh, Big Apple Burgos pulled out the W. Man is 7-0 and in, in his home state. But I am not confident that he should have won that. I scored the fight 28-27 for Jordan. I gave Jordan a 10-8 round in the third. I gave Burgos a 10-8 round in the second. I feel really confident that that is the actual correct way to score those two rounds. And round one is the swing round. So this is one of those things where, you know, I, I would bet that our, our colleague AK Lee is going to do a robbery review on this, on this fight. I would say it's not a robbery because that first round was really close. Um, but, and to me, rounds two and rounds three should be viewed as even. Uh, so it's just who, however you scored the first round, but uh, it was disappointing that nobody scored this bout correctly, <laughs> like at all. Uh, that there was one 10-8 and that 
that 10-8 went to Burgos and not Jordan, when I think if you're weighing them out, Jordan probably deserves a 10-8 more than Burgos does. But I think both of them cleared criteria and both should be 10-8. So uh, nonetheless, the fight was awesome. Um, and both those dudes, Shane, Charles Jordan probably comes out of this fight looking better because like he, Shane Burgos can't keep doing what he's doing because in the very near future, it's going to result in him getting brutally knocked out, like a lot. He just, his defense is a lot of just taking it on the chin and trying to roll off punches. And when he stops being able to roll them off, then he just starts getting buzzed and that's going to kill him. Whereas Charles Jordan looked, I mean, he, he gave up the position on the ground, but defended really well, stayed tight, stayed composed. And then in that third round, he came out like a house on fire, man. So, uh, one of the fights where one guy wins and gets two paychecks, but both guys, you know, win in spirit. And it was awesome. So it was a really fun fight. I think the judges, I would say that Jordan won, but I, I'm not, it's not a huge issue for me if you scored it for Burgos. It was the final fight also on Shane Burgos's contract. So he bet on himself, didn't re-up before heading into the final fight, has an absolute scrap of Charles Jordan. Dana White is at the press conference right now and basically said, yep, we got to re-up this guy. He's an absolute savage. So there you go. The savagery looks like it'll pay off, but it probably won't pay off in the long run. What did you think of that fight, Jose? This this must have been right up your alley. The man of the fan of high-level martial arts competition, these guys both stepped in that octagon and delivered. Yeah, I don't know how much high level martial arts i expect from shane burgos it's usually just you know throw things at a wall and maybe the wall will fall <laughs> down it's very it's very fun to watch but like and also daniel cormier was like i think his line was he was watching shane burgos like eat all these punches and he's like oh we've never seen shane burgos melt before i'm like we literally have Ed, Edson Barbosa <laughs> turned off his brain to the point where we he turned into a human crash dummy. Like he just his body fell apart like the dude from Men in Black One when all the cockroaches left his body. It just turned into a lump of human mass. So Shane Burgos can get turned off uh, by Edson Barbosa, who does that to a lot of people. So it was a good fight. It wasn't what I expected. Like I agree with most of what Jed said. Wasn't what I expected, but I was pleasantly surprised with how the fight turned out. I don't remember how I scored it. I was doing like 10 different things. I was kind of watching out the corner of my eye, and every time there was a crazy moment, I would look up. I thought Charles Ordain was going to tap. I think it was the second round. Was it that uh, rear naked choke or neck crank or whatever when Shane Burgos like pushed off the fence into the choke? So I thought Charles Jordan was going to either break his jaw or tap. So good on him for not only surviving, but continuing to fist fight Shane Burgos. So yeah, uh, was probably fight of the night until Matt Snell did what he did. So good on him. And let me just also say, Jed, this is something you and I talk about all the time. What's one of the big rules in 2022 if you're a fighter? What's one of the big Cheat. things that all fighters should be doing? Cheat. 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 Cheat your ass off. Cheat your ass off. Because Charles Jordan, that fence grab in the third round Aggressive is what made fence that grab. third round is what made that third round what it was because if Shane Burgos, which without the fence grab, would have completed that takedown, Jordan's not getting up. The fight is over. It's just going to be a 10-9 round for Burgos. He's going to cruise to a decision more than likely. Now, do I? Am I 100 percent certain on that? We we no one is. But we just watched it happen in the second round. Burgos is like a middleweight in there against a guy who's actually a featherweight. Burgos is a massive dude and he has tremendous top control and Jordan clearly grabbed the fence and Keith Peterson was just like, okay, maybe I'll just move it out of the way. 
and didn't say anything. And this is not the first fence grab. This is there were multiple fence grabs in this fight. None of them were cheat. called. And this is why we tell people just cheat. That's why we don't blame. T- that's why I don't blame Tim Elliott at all for him saying, "Yeah, I grabbed the damn glove." No one's going to call anything. No one's going to call anything. Nothing will be penalized. Grab the goddamn fence. Just grab the fence. No one's going to stop you. And that's why this fight was so competitive in the third round because Keith Peterson accepted all the nonsense, all the nonsense, all night long, all the time. Keith Peterson's no-nonsense approaches is gone. (laughs) He's accepting nonsense now. He's putting money into nonsense, and it's gaining interest at a rapid pace. So, yes, cheat. Grab the fence. Mm-hmm. No one's going to call anything. So there you go, Charles Jardine. You did it well. You did it well, and it led to a crazy-ass third round. So kudos to you, my man. There you go. Yeah, man. That's I, – I would not ever pretend to be a guy who should coach MMA fighters because I can't do that. I don't know anything about that. But if I was in a gym and my coach wasn't – teaching us how to and in, inspiring us to cheat constantly, I would think, oh, we're not doing enough to win because like it's just – there's literally no downside. It is all upside. And I will be honest, when Keith Peter, when I realized Keith Peterson was the ref for the main event, I was like, oh, my God. He's already allowed so much nonsense today. What the <laughs> hell is going to happen here? In the end, different kind of nonsense happened, but like – I don't, there's no reason not to cheat. There truly is not. And I would unashamedly counsel any fighter to actively cheat very, very hard in there because it's the difference between you winning and losing a fight. It can easily be the difference between you winning and losing a fight. So yeah, it was all super that, but you know, it is what it is. Jose, not a fan of cheating. He has apparently left the room, but there's a yeah, scene in like the first body. Oh, there he is. Cheating is, <laughs> cheating is. cheating is silly. Don't do it. Don't listen to the two fools next to me. Is, is it hey, cheating listen. though? Is it cheating? Cause if not you don't if get punished called. for it, it's not a bad thing. It's obviously not illegal because nothing bad happens. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's is dumb. it really cheating or is it you just being veteran savvy? <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that's that's what I see a lot. That's what I see a lot. But it, it it is what it is. Listen, until it gets called, we're gonna continue to have these conversations. So get after it. It's like the movie Mighty Ducks. Gordon Bombay's the coach. He's teaching the kids how to take dives. Go to your local MMA gym. I want to see fence grab class from ten thirty to eleven. Like just, I'm just get that done. I'm just saying, if Yair Rodriguez does rematch Brian Ortega, it's probably really tough for Ortega to submit him if he just sticks both hands inside of one of Ortega's gloves <laughs> and just holds on. It's like, yeah, try now. Try nothing's gonna happen to me. Try now. Oh man. But yeah, that did happen. I had to call it out. It's fine. It still led to a third round being as as crazy as it was. Main card. Can we talk about the other the cheating that happened? Go ahead. Get after the it. Other, the other big cheating that happened is that Ricky Simone is a monster <laughs> athlete and Jack Shore isn't, and he just athleted all over Jack Shore. That fight <laughs> ruled. Jack Shore was, like, doing a lot of technically brilliant things, and Ricky Simone was just like, I am so much faster and stronger than you, and he just clobbered him. That fight was awesome. It was awesome. It was a great performance. Might as well talk about that right now, Jose. Bantamweight, while it's not the – best division in the sport it is a very fun division i call it the intercontinental championship division of the ufc where these fights will always deliver they're always good and this is what everybody had circled and ricky simone just went out there and 
clubbed and subbed Jack Shore. That was some performance. A lot of people weren't giving Simone a big chance to win this fight, but this is the one everybody had circled on their card. And this was fun for the eight minutes and 28 seconds that it lasted. So were you surprised that the fight went down this way, that not only did Ricky Simone win, but he went out there and, and finished Jack Shore and made such an emphatic statement? No, because you know, everyone kept talking about how good Jack Shore is on the ground and how good his grappling is and how good his wrestling is and all that, all this and that. And a lot of people were complaining that he wasn't fighting in London. Why is this on the prelims? Yada, yada, yada. The fight was going to happen regardless of where it was, and the fight was going to end the same way regardless of where it was. So, again, moot point, people just complaining for no reason. Also, Ricky Simone has an accent over the O. I'm tired of people not spelling his name incorrectly on social media. Also, Ricky Simone does really well historically against really good grapplers like Rafael Asuncao, Ronnie Yaya. Brian Kelleher has a lot bunch of submission wins. If that's – if his strength <laughs> – is just he's freakishly strong and way more athletic until he runs into someone that's just more athletic than him, like a Rob Font or Uriah Faber, and he's probably going to beat you <laughs> if he's more athletic than you. So Ricky Simone is was going to win that fight regardless of where it was 10 out of 10 times. Jack Shore is really good. He's going to get better. Like Jed said, some people are just freakishly strong and freakish athletes, and we've all seen those guys at the gyms that are just super frustrating because they could be blue belts going up against a brown belt, but that blue belt is just really strong and can just power out of submissions like oh cool rubber guard i'm just gonna flex and push myself out of it and then the brown belt's like well what do i do with this he's neck he has no neck and his traps go on forever so that's ricky simone if you get him in a choke or you try to grapple with him it's gonna be a bad night and that's what happened with jack shore Tremendous performance. Both guys are very fun. Jack Shore, his jab is just a beautiful thing to watch. When that guy yeah, has his jab going, he's so nice. It's just so nice to watch. And Simone cooking. just, he, he was. was doing a bunch of he good was. stuff. And then it was just, if Ricky was just like, I'm such a better athlete than you, you're boned. <laughs> that was just all that happened. It's like Jack Shore did like 10 great things to stay upright along the fence. And Ricky would just be like, here comes an elbow at the speed of light. And I'm on your hips at the same time. I, I elbowed you in the face and I'm on a double on your hips instantaneously. Like there's no gap to you to do anything. Good luck. And you can't do anything about it. Like... Did you like the call out, Jed? The Sean O'Malley oh, I think, call out? I like the call out because I think it's, it would be a good fight in like a world where that would happen. And I think it also like makes sense as a call out. Cause they've, they've had their friction before or whatever. Uh, it's just not going to happen like because Ricky Simone would turn up Sean O'Malley. Like he would just fold that man into a pretzel. You can't make that fight if you're still trying to be in the sugar show business. And I think the UFC is still trying to do that. So like I, unless they've suddenly decided that they want to back Ricky Simone in a big way, which I don't think they're going to. Uh, so I still think it's a fine call out because like, whatever they, Ricky's going to be one of those dudes. They're just, he's going to get whoever they can agree to fight him at this stage because that's a tough-ass fight, man. Um, and not a lot of dudes are going to want to take it. So I'm fine with the call-out. Uh, I liked, I certainly liked the way he did it. I'm the sweetest thing in the division. Was like That was kind of clever, so I'm cool with it. I like that. Ricky Simone does not get enough credit for his mic savvy. He's actually a very funny guy. He's a clever yeah. dude. Good interview. You just don't hear from him that often. He there's only certain he's very picky with who he wants to do interviews with. And uh yeah, that was a great performance. I do wanna before we go to the peeps, 
I do want to talk about the main card opener because a lot of people sort of had this penciled in as like their own personal co-main event, more so than the actual co-main event. Misha Tate making her flyaway debut. She looked good on the scale. Didn't look like the weight cut really zapped her all that much. A lot of people felt, and she was super confident that with any kind of a victory, she would be next for Valentina Shevchenko. Shevchenko had already basically said that if Misha beats Lauren, we're going to be fighting for the belts. And a lot of people were just kind of picturing that fight already as like a done deal. And Lauren Murphy comes in as this pretty sizable dog, goes out there and just, she just put it on Misha Tate, left Misha a bloody mess. My opinion, she won all three rounds. I think two of the judges agreed with that. And then she got a 29-28 mixed in there. Lauren gets it done. Jose, your thoughts on Lauren Murphy's performance against Misha Tate to kick off this main card at UFC Long Island? I didn't really have an idea of who's going to win this fight. I didn't really sit down and think too much of it. But uh, when we when Damon did that interview with Lauren and she said she was really sick going into the Valentina fight, and then she reiterated that uh, at media day. Anytime you hear a fighter kind of reflect on that, you my first question is, well, let's see how big of a factor that really was. Uh, fighting someone like i'm not saying that mishu is going to beat valentina i'm not saying that valentina that mishu was going to beat lauren lauren murphy but lauren murphy just looked like she was leagues stronger in in like physical strength than misha tate misha tate's obviously fought at bantamweight and she went down and she, lauren, lauren murphy also also fought at bantamweight she just looks like she could just do whatever she wanted in there with misha tate and when she was like jabbing her throwing her around defending everything now if Lauren Murphy really was that sick against Valentina. And we saw how Tyler Santos performed against Valentina, who was also injured with, had an injured foot. My question is how would a 100% healthy Lauren Murphy do against the Valentina that showed up against Tyler? I'm not saying she would win, but the question is there. So Lauren Murphy did what she had to do. She fought another former champion, uh, beat her very convincingly i thought she won all three rounds i daniel cormier and the commentary were actually nice to her uh, unlike her last few performances so yeah good on lauren murphy she's maintained her position more people are talking about her she's obviously not going to fight for the title next but i loved the call out uh saying she was going to fly to paris and sit cage side for jessica andrage and man and because she's like that's probably a number one contender fight i want to fight the winner to make like to claim the number one contender spot I think Lauren Murphy has low-key been pretty good on the mic. Remember when she was on Fight Island and she just went on that super rant against the media for her rankings, and then all of a sudden everyone was talking about Lauren Murphy's ranking and was it ju- was she justified, which she was. She's like, I beat so on and so forth. And then Jessica Andrade was one fight, and now she's ranked above me, and she just went on this scathing rant and it was great and everyone was talking about her she did that again so i think she's low-key pretty good on the mic she performed well probably one of the better forms she's had in a long time so yeah can't ask much much more from her if i'm her coaches outside of a finish against misha tate she had yeah, good she mic is, work she's... when she called for the title fight too like when she yeah. was against uh jojo like that that was like mm-hmm. a very compelling claim she for seems to have a perennial chip on her shoulder and i love it yeah, she's she's just always been pretty good on the stick. We just never get to really hear it all that often, um, just depending on where she's she's at on the card. But what did you think, Jed? Because I know I'm not like we we joke internally about about you just being on the Misha Tate, not saying bandwagon, but you seemed very confident that Misha would win this fight. And before we hit record, you're like, ah, I don't really remember being that strong on Misha. So just your thoughts on on that fight how Misha performed and, and how Lauren performed. Were you surprised it went the way that it did? 
Super. And I was, I thought Misha was going to win the fight, but like, I've been getting a lot of flack for this one as if this was one of my stronger statements that I like really was shaming people. It was like, no, I mostly don't think Lauren Murphy's that good, um, which I may well be wrong about, but I don't feel wrong about, you know, even if I am wrong, I still feel like I'm, I'm not. Uh, but Lauren Murphy looked the best she ever has. Like, let's just start there before anything else. Like I think that is the best we've ever seen Lauren Murphy. I think the change of camp, maybe there could totally be something to the, the illness at Shevchenko, though I don't think that would have functionally changed that fight in any regard. She looked, she looked really well. She came out really, really strong. I had immediate regrets about my thoughts on this fight when I watched the walkouts <laughs> because Laura Murphy looked like she was there to fight. Misha was just like super happy in a really weird way. It's like I don't know that that's how you want to look before a fist fight. Where you just like. Oh, hey, kids, nice and go see you and kiss my daughters. Like, that doesn't feel like the right mindset for a fist fight, but you know, I get different strokes or whatever. Uh, and then, yeah, Laura Murphy came out uh, with a lot of urgency. She fought really well in that first round. Misha made some adjustments, and Lauren adjusted with her in the second and third and got the jab going. I thought she looked the best she has ever looked. I also thought Misha Tate looked. I, I kind of now have, I think I have to go back and watch old Misha Tate because in my head, she's not that bad a fighter. She was horrifically bad tonight. Um, and it's possible that I just have a different well, view because I in my head, I remember the time that she tackled, tackled and choked out Holly Holm, who is well, much more physically strong. Do you remember Lauren. that fight? She was about two minutes oh, away was, from losing. Yeah, but she, she won – Yes, I remember losing a lot of that fight. She, she also lost, won the second round, I think. The second round was 10. She, yeah, she won, She lost three. I think the second round she 10-8'd Holly, and then she was well yeah, on her way to she, losing before she tapped her. But again, like that's I think of Holly Holm as a substantially better takedown defender and more physical mm-hmm. human being than Lauren Murphy because Holly Holm is a friggin' hoss. And Tate got that going. Like, she's... She has been – I'll never say that Misha Tate is like a technical genius because God knows she's not certainly on the feet. But like that as, – as, as my memory goes, that's the worst I've ever seen Misha Tate look standing up. And she had no ability to manage the physicality of Lauren Murphy, well, both of which right. I was not anticipating. So, so let, me, let me rattle some names off for you that Misha Tate's wins. And I, I'm not saying Misha Tate's overrated or underrated or, or whatever, sure. but – she has a win over Liz Carmouche at Bantamweight. Liz Carmouche is now flyweight. She has a win over Rindakai, flyweight. Sarah McMahon, majority. Sarah McMahon is, is a large fighter. She's very good, but maybe I mean, too soon also, in her MMA career. We, I feel win like over we just, just breezed past. Liz Carmouche is also a hoss, and flyweight correct. is the same But Lauren Murphy sure, flyweight hoss. Sure, but I think Misha Tate was just like physically big. Because remember, she struggled to make 135 at one point. Yeah. Like she almost missed weight. Be just guy, flyweight. Holly Holm, great win. Beat Marion Renault, probably should have been a flyweight. And then she's lost to three – all other bandwidth she's lost to and now Lauren Murphy. So Misha Tate is really yeah. good. Maybe everyone else just caught up. I I think there's some of that. I think she might have regressed. I also think that, like, I just underestimated how physically, like, there Lauren Murphy is because, like, I don't – because, look, like, outside of this being Lauren Murphy's best thing, if we also rattled off Lauren Murphy's – career it's not a bunch of winners you know like she took mm-hmm. splitties over joanne calderwood like that so i don't feel bad thinking that misha tate former bantamweight champion should have beaten a woman whose last win was a splitty over jojo calderwood 
But also, I was obviously very incorrect because that fight wasn't close. Laura Murphy beat her pillar to post. There you go. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's like a, oh, we have to talk about this, Jed. We have to talk about this uh, real quick. Emily DeCody, great win, by the way. Dustin Stolfus, great win. Dustin Jacoby, nasty knockout. Uh, maybe we'll get some peeps questions on this. But we have to talk about Bill Algio, <laughs> Herbert Burns, Jed. We have to talk about that fight because that fight was insane. Herbert Burns gets the fight to the ground. He's got a triangle on. He's trying to go for the arm. Then it's back to the triangle. Then he's trying to do the combo with the arm again. And then Bill Algio somehow just wiggles his way free and just starts unloading on Herbert Burns. And then Bill Algio is like, all right, I'm going to let you stand up. And then Herbert Burns takes like 25 seconds to stand back up to his feet. Looks like More he's nonsense. in big trouble right then. Yeah. Fight should have been stopped right then. Fight should have been yeah, stopped right there. Fight should have been stopped right there. Bill keeps it going. Second round starts. Like apparently during the Canadian, because I didn't get to see the corner during the rounds yeah, where I was watching. But I, apparently I saw some tweets saying that like Gilbert Burns is basically saying like, I don't think he wants to go back out there, but Herbert he gets obviously up. did not. Yeah. Doctor comes in, looks at Herbert and a doctor and it's New York. So I'm like, there's no way they're going to let this guy go out and fight. And they're like, okay, go out and fight. And Herbert goes out and fights and Bill just puts it on him some more. And Herbert's trying, like he's, he's trying to like throw his legs up. He's trying to get something cooking. And then eventually just Herbert's just exhausted. He can't stand back up. Keith Peterson had seen enough nonsense, which is way too much of it. And the fight is over. Bill Algio gets his first stoppage win, I believe, as a UFC fighter. It goes down as exhaustion from damage or retirement uh, is the way that it's worded in some cases. But just talk about the chaos of that fight and what happened there, because that was just madness if you guys didn't see that. That fight was an even more condensed version of what I thought that fight would be. Uh, I... I want to. I guess we should also mention there is a real possibility that Herbert Burns like blew out his knee. There was some talk about it in the broadcast. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but like that seems oh, to be a really possible real quick, thing. Sorry, happened. chiming in. Uh, yeah, Herbert Burns did yeah. uh, confirm on his um, Twitter he? video he blew his knee out. So just want okay. to throw that out there so you don't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Continue. That 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 obviously makes like a pretty big difference in how it all goes. It it was a weird fight. Um, I immediately thought I bet on Herbert Burns because he's a really big underdog. It's like, I don't know. That dude is really good at the whole jujitsu thing. I feel like, and Bill Algeo is really bad at wrestling. So I feel like Herbert Burns can take him down and then just find a way to his back and tap him. And so I felt like a freaking genius for the first two minutes of that fight. It was like, oh, this is a wrap. Like Burns has that in. And then he couldn't either Algeo's defense was phenomenal or Burns waffled too much between going after the arm or picking on the choke whichever one but in the end algio fought his way out of it and burns was done like he was very clearly done the moment algio escaped from from that triangle and the fight should have been stopped when he refused to stand up uh so like that was a lot of nonsense uh his corner should have absolutely stopped the fight i i'm more mad about that than anything like clearly your dude is done your brother cannot physically fight anymore especially if he was telling them in the corner that hey my knee is shot or whatever like just don't send him out there's no reason to send your brother your student your friend out there to go obviously get his ass beat for however long he can take getting his ass beat uh and so it was really weird credit to bill Je bill algio for fighting his way through that 
Uh, but it was a super weird fight, and I don't know what to do. Like, I don't know what to make of any of it, especially with the knee injury. Because without the knee injury, I think you cut Herbert Burns because you're not allowed to have three minutes of cardio and be a professional freaking fist fighter. But the knee injury makes it so, like, that could just be the whole thing. I don't know. Super weird fight, though. It was a super weird fight. Uh, Jose, any anything else that we didn't talk about stand out to you as a moment that that we didn't get to before we go to the uh, to the questions and the peeps and Casey. Yeah, Dustin Jacoby's a bad dude, and I want to see him fight the winner or the loser, uh, Jamal Hill, Tiago Santos, because the winner should obviously move up the rankings. The loser should fight Dustin Jacoby because that will be fun and will satiate my bloodlust. That's a good pick. It is the wrong pick, and I will give the right pick on on to the next one. Uh, and it's a better it's better than that. Dustin Jacoby will like my idea better than all of those ideas. Um, but that's that's something I mean, to if, think if, about later. If if Dustin Jacoby had his choice, he would be fighting the corpse of Shogun Hua. Don't want to see that fight happen. No, that's not what we're doing. We're not going to do that. Uh, we're going to do something better than that. So stay tuned for on to the next one. Let's go to the peeps, Casey. Let's see how they're feeling after some afternoon MMA. Casey's got no sleeves on, so you know it's serious business. Can we just talk about how great it is to be done with fights at 6 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time? Because I could get used to this. This is this is nice. You guys are living the and West Coast life right now. I know. Guess what? You guys guess live what, in Jeff? the best time zone. What? It was awesome being out in Vegas, by the way, and dealing with the West Coast time zone. And it sucked going back home. It sucked. Uh, The West Coast time zone is better in those regards. But next week, next week we get to do it again. We get to do it again. So early, early day MMA. It just everything starts an hour later. So instead of eleven a.m., it's going to be noon and then three. The best time zone is Arizona's time zone because we don't fool around with that nonsense daylight savings. I, I do respect that about you guys. I'll be honest. <laughs> Air horn for this time what, zones. Air horn for time this, zones. This is what you get. That's what you get when you're the last state of the continental United States. You don't fool around with no time zones, and our roads are make you, sense. Are you really the last? I had no idea you were the last. 48 state, state, baby. 1912. Rhode Island was already 100 years old when Arizona became a state. Man. And you like, I'm sure there's a lot of other benefits too. I mean, that would have been a perfect time for some like retrospective bed music <laughs> yeah. in the background. You know what I, I mean? Was, I, 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 yeah, I need, we need a better producer. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for um, <laughs> state, uh, United States history today. But okay. Uh, music with horns. Yeah. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get to the peeps. Daniel M.A., Yair's victory was legit. Or take a pop to shoulder while Yair, Yair was holding it for an arm bar. So any any thoughts on this comment? It's not. It- uh, it's, it's both incorrect and correct at the same time. Technically, yes, it is correct because all victories are legit because you're fighting another human being. And so anything that human being does that contributes counts. Checking a kick or 
Jan fainting or whatever the hell it was that made Jokic step or Rockic step back and blow his knee out. Like that's all legit. Or did, this or did is also blocking JDS's overhand. Well, I yeah. won the fight because I blocked the shot. Like, and yeah, all of that is technically true. The reality is this: he didn't pop that shoulder out in an armbar. Shoulder popped out when he was pulling away from the armbar. So if you just grab my arm and I yank it back like that and it pops out, sure, you technically did the thing. Also, that's not a, in the normal course of business, a thing that happens. His shoulder is obviously compromised. I have blown out my labrum twice uh, playing rugby in college, and I had the same thing would happen. It just mine just never got better and the reason i blew it out the second time was i was grappling uh, i was doing grappling training or whatever and i dove forward and it just popped out and it's a thing that if you just did normally your shoulder would be fine but mine is already weak and it just is that like that's i am not a medical professional i am a thousand percent certain that is what happened with brian ortega so yes technically is legit and i'm not here i never i don't think any of us ever said it wasn't legit either but it's also kind of fluky and not the normal expectation of how that would go yeah yeah you knew it wasn't a legit victory he knew it, it yeah. they don't yeah, just stop acting like he submitted ortega it's just one of those things yeah you're one luckily yeah you're was winning that round anyway people. yeah just and luckily yeah contact sports have injuries like this that occur and they're still real but it's also not as real as had Yair back elbowed him in the face and sent him to the netherworld. Mm-hmm. Ricky Simone's going to be yeah. a problem at Bantamweight's five in a row. Yeah, yeah. dude's dude's real good. He's real I good. Uh, I think what I, I do think what Jose said earlier is correct. Like, I am interested to see how he does because the times he's faced people who can match his athleticism. He hasn't done all that well. And so, I, I mean, there aren't that many dudes that can do that, if we're being honest. But, like, when he does fight those guys, I don't know. I just don't know the well of tricks he has to, like, actually compete with them outside of just being like, I'm super fast and super strong and you're super boned. <laughs> he's he's uh, very good. That, that Rob Font fight did wonders for him. It did wonders for him. What happened in that fight? I can't remember. Font. Font beat him. It was a unanimous decision. Uh, DC, Font looked good. I think he tore his ACL like in the fight as well. So it was, yeah, it was one of those ones that both guys grew a lot from. Ricky Simone, I've always, he's he's always been one of those fighters I thought had a lot of potential. He just never really, he just never uh, got to see it. But tonight, yeah, I think we saw it. That loss to... that loss to Uriah Faber is just weird because that was like Uriah's comeback weird. out of retirement fight after like several years, and then he just got it was like forty five seconds. Yeah, just got a. It was like one. Cl- I didn't like. It was like when, either, but I mean that's here. That's near, Yeah, but there. it was like when Ryan Bader beat Tito Ortiz. Like they fight ten times, that happens once, <laughs> and like yeah. Ryan went on to have a good career, and Ricky Simone will go on to have a good career. It was just that night was weird, and we still make fun of Ryan Bader for losing that fight. <laughs> Ryan yeah, Bader that, didn't fight that, on the West Coast. Ba- Bader didn't fight on the West Coast for years after that because of the amount of family and friends that went to that. It said it just got like too much. That's why he would always fight in like Hamburg and Brazil and England or Sweden or you just fly everywhere. Didn't want to fight in the West Coast. Uh, this question is for Mr. Heck. 
I bet Mike was happy because our announce team today had those. Oh God, I loved it so much. I loved that so much. And the fact that at no point through that entire broadcast from 11 a.m. till it was over, John Anik did not take that jacket off once. Not <laughs> once. DC, Felder, they were rocking the, the dress shirts. They had the beautiful gold jacket on the back of the chair. I bet John Anik's wearing it now. If John Anik's about to fly home, to Florida, he's probably wearing it on the plane. He's probably going to sleep in that thing tonight. He probably slept in it last night. And you know what, John? If I had that jacket, if I was in your shoes, I would do the same thing. I loved it. I was so happy that the UFC and ABC and ESPN and Disney made that happen for everybody. Seeing Megan O'Leary in the jacket was awesome. All of them wearing the jacket was amazing. But John Anik wanted that more than anybody on this planet. So I was really happy to see that. And he didn't take that thing off once. It was amazing. I noticed Felder took it off for a moment, but I think he looked over at Anik, and Anik still had it on. So Felder, I think, worked. The whole time. Yeah, he took it off. Yeah, on the whole time. And Yeah, yeah. And, but poor poor DC. I think he only put it on for, like, when he was on camera. After that, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think his body could contain that. I think, they kept, I think they kept it on. They I think they kept it on for the main card. Yeah. yeah, the main card, I think they they all kept them on. Oh, did it? Uh, okay. And I kept it on during the prelims and everything. Because, I mean, the main card's on ABC, so they're like, yeah. you better wear those damn jackets I'll, during the main okay. card. <laughs> right. So, uh, loved it. Loved it so much. Let's talk. Um, we did have a user who um, was kind of upset about your cheating thing, and he, he wrote a few times, but I'm just going to kind of use this comment. Don't cheat, have a strong sense of autonomy, and take pride in the character you design. These guys are indoctrinated into these sorts of beliefs. It's just, I mean, you're just no. using a lot of big words and being wrong at the same time. So I'm sorry. I want to live in a world. I want, no, no, hold on. I want to live in a world where I don't have to say that. I want to live in a world where the referee is just like, you're grabbing the fence, that's a point. You poked him in the eye, that's a point. You kicked him in the ding ding, that's a point. Like maybe what your warnings take place in the back before you go out there. The referee goes no, no, no. to each locker room. That's, that's the pre-warning. It's the pre-warning, yeah. Mike. Well, that's how then, it should then be. You, then you get be. multiple warnings in the cage. I know. And then it's maybe, so dumb. It's maybe so dumb. someone says, we'll take a point. It's like five or six times. Do you, it's like five or six times. Do you really? Do you, yeah, it's stupid. Do you really think every time there's an eye poke, every time there's a light yes. groin, groin shot, Point, deduct, point deduction. Yes. Every other sport on earth, when you break a rule like that, it's a penalty. Every no, no, but, sport but on the planet. But to me, the issue. I do. Is, to me, the issue is this, and I, this is well, this is kind of a solution rather than an issue. It's the amount. It's like because it's a full point. That's like, that's I don't know. It's like I would. I wish there were half points. I wish a, a, a ref could just say. Don't do it then. Don't half, do it. You know. You know how you, to not get a point deducted. Don't fucking cheat. It's not cheating. It's just. It's, it's just. It's, it's it is. Not, you're doing an illegal I, I, thing I, I, that by I definition. I understand is what you're saying is, is cheating, but there's intentional cheating, and there's like, oh crap, I'm falling down. I'm grabbing what. I'm just falling down, and there's incidental cheating, and I think sure. that's. And but and in I, that situation, I, I think we, we, one we person all is cheating doing like a bad murder, thing. basically. To me, like all cheating is like. There's no degrees like in football. There's what was is there five yard penalties? I don't even know. I don't watch football, but yeah, like, they're they're different yardage penalties. And and that to me that's the issue here. There's like we we treat everything like it's a I don't know whatever a fifty yard penalty. I don't know what you want to uh, 
uh, equate it to in in basketball or, so, or football. Okay, fine. Okay, <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm gonna basketball. Is <laughs> tremendous. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna play your game, Casey. I'm gonna play mm-hmm. your game because I understand where you're coming. Okay, from. Yeah, I, 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 but, understand, so, I understand I understand what you're saying but, too, but I, I, this, I don't care what you're This dark, case, just, just take points. Yeah, in this case. Keith, Pe- all right. Let's just say we we play by that, okay? That we don't treat each penalty exactly the same. In the sense like that, Keith Peterson should stop the fight, and Shane Burgo should be given an automatic takedown and should be on top of Charles Jordan. Then I you am, restart I, it. Yeah, yeah. I am always fine. okay with for fin scrabs. I am okay with just get awarding the position because I think that is a fair and equitable way yeah. to handle that. You have uh, to do that. I, I I don't think half points or whatever. I, I just for for low blows and high pokes i think you just take the point i also just don't really care about doing half points the same way i think a half point scoring system is stupid we have 10 points just use them all well, um, then, and be more liberal with all. your scoring or whatever. Well, i know but yeah, yeah that i have always thought that was really stupid there's yeah. no reason to have 10 you could have a three-point scoring system you just adjust it all none of this will ever adjust and to go back to the original question the only reason I'm telling people to cheat is because it is the obviously correct thing to do given the circumstances. The actual answer exactly. I would like is what Mike is saying. I would like there to be actual repercussions for people who cheat, thus theoretically or hopefully removing cheating from the sport. But that doesn't happen. And because I'll get on my personal soapbox on this thing, the UFC spends $200 million or whatever the shit they pay USADA to invade people's privacy to not weed out drug offenders for that cheating. But this, which is far more rampant and directly affects fights in those ways, we just like, yeah, can't do anything when that's actually a way quicker way to solve it. So don't cheat. Uh, if if you're okay with accepting what happens because you will be competing in a sport, people do cheat. And they will cheat against you and you will be at a huge disadvantage as a result of it. I guess I just, yeah, I think it just comes down to the, the penalty because we're, just, we're saying TJ Dillashaw is a cheater, but also we're saying Charles Jordan is a cheater also. It's it's different. Yeah. I'm not calling, uh, yeah, but, but th- that, if you're saying he that, cheated, was not, oh. that was not the first I, fence grab of that fight. That was not the first fence grab. There were multiple fence grabs in that fight. And secondly, that fence grab in particular changed the entire course of, the, of, that, of that third round. It is a back and forth third round. Shane Burgos is getting lit up a little bit. Then Burgos has him ready to go down. The takedown is, is a done deal. If there's no fence there for him to grab. It's a takedown, and Burgos ends the fight on top, spends the rest of the round on top. It's a 10-9 round. We're not talking about scoring controversy. We're not talking about anything. Instead, Jordan grabs the fence, doesn't get the takedown for Burgos, Keith Peterson just kind of like slaps the hand away after the takedown is not completed because he grabbed the fence and then Jordy beat his ass I love for the, the rest I of the I love round. the hand slap. The hand slap is yeah. the funniest thing to me. It does nothing. So like, I, it, it, it I, know nothing. Doing, I know you're funny. doing a bad thing. It is a literal slap on the wrist, which is just, it's so on the nose. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. Listen, I would love to live in a world where there's none of this, that we're not having these conversations. I would love some sort of repercussion. Like Burgos would be like, all right, dude, Listen, Charles, I get what you're trying to do. Good try, but Shane is going to be awarded this takedown. Lay on your back. Shane, get on top. You could be in, getting his full guard and go. Then I'm okay with that. Like, I'm fine and, with and that. And that, that, was mistake by Keith, that was a mistake by Keith Peterson. I, actually, I, I don't even remember that, but I don't think I, it's, I, I, I I think it's a mistake. You. It's just a conscious choice by the someone, referees. Some, never someone on Twitter. Rules. 
someone on Twitter is like the the fence grab made no difference. So I think you're being biased. So I was like, you know what? I mean, was it I may not, not have. Close enough? It, what did I want to watch? I went back and watched it. And I videotaped it, and I was like, okay, he's so wrong because as soon as that takedown happened and it was missed because of the fence grab, that's when every like literally all the damage Jordan did in that round was after that moment. All of it, all of it. Do you know my issue? My biggest issue with Keith Peterson in that fight was actually in the first round when, uh, which I thought Jordan clearly won because of the scoring criteria about damage. But when uh, Burgos had him in that crank, that neck crank, he was basically, he was, he was looking at Jordan like he was going to pass out. And it's like, no, it's a neck crank. This is a pain crank. And like, he was like, give me some sort of sign. And Jordan had to take his hand off the hand, uh, the, the, the hand that he was guarding with and kind of wave at the ref like, look, I'm not passed out. I was like, Come on, Keith Peterson. You got to know better. That that was clearly yeah. a, a a neck crank, not I a. I didn't even notice a, that, but I mean, I agree with you. That's also stupid. Yeah. So um, I'm not. He's had a rough go. He had a rough go. He's had a rough. Keith, Keith Peterson. He, he had a tough. He had a tough yeah. week. Tough week. <laughs> All right. Uh, Fifty yard penalties in basketball. I like that. That's a tremendous. <laughs> I'm gonna use. I'm gonna use that in my personal life now, and no one's gonna have any idea where that's from. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we got Misha Tate. Okay. Jeez. Uh, Tate must go back to retirement. She's taking unnecessary damage because she'll never be champ at this point. Listen, I think we realized something. And, Jed, you, you, you mentioned something that I saw immediately. When Misha Tate walked out, she looked like Ronda Rousey when she walks out in WWE. It's just a big smile. She's waving to the peeps. Like, she looks actually happy. She looks very happy to be there. And wins and losses matter, sure. She would love to fight for the title and love to say, I'm the one who slayed the beast and, and became a champion in two separate divisions in my UFC career. That's great. But Misha just seems happy to fight. She just seems happy to be fighting. And that wasn't the case a lot of times during her UFC run before she retired because you could see, like, the weight cuts are really bad. There's a lot going on in her personal life. There was a lot sort of holding her down and it seems like now like she's just happy to fight like she's enjoying training she's enjoying the process all the the rest of life seems to be falling into place like she just seems happy to be there so i don't think she needs to go back at retirement i don't think i don't think the whole goal i mean the goal of all fighters it's, at most points is to be a champion and you would love to be the champion and get those opportunities but for misha i think she's just happy to be back and be happy and free which i don't think she's felt in a long time as a fighter with everything that was going on in her life, which sort of led to her retiring the first time. I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Jose? Cause I mean, listen, we both followed Misha Tate for a long time. You don't see me like, it's very rare. You see Misha come out and she's just like loose as a goose. She's free. She's got that smile on her face. It's, it's actually good to see. Like she may have lost the fight and she got beat up a little bit, but she seems happy just fighting Jose. Does she not? Yeah. She gets to fight in front of her kids. She's back in the UFC. She's, how long did she take off? And she's this was essentially a number one contender Five fight. Years. So, yeah, yeah, she's a popular fighter. She gets to fight in front of her kids. She gets to do what she likes. If she wants to keep fighting, so be it. I also know she had something wrong with her nose for a long time. Like, she got it shattered against Amanda Nunes. She got it shattered against Caitlin Vieta. So it seems like she has, like, that Frankie Edgar thing where she gets touched once and her nose just starts leaking right away. So I don't know the actual damage of the nose or how much of that is just aesthetics that you should just turn the faucet on. But, yeah, if Misha wants to keep fighting, I'm not going to tell her not to because it's not like she got knocked dead 
She just got a nosebleed and possibly a broken nose. But that's 30 minutes now of her mm-hmm. fighting, her basically getting her butt kicked for 30 minutes now, back-to-back fights. Now it's 40, mm-hmm. isn't it? 40 wasn't minutes. Wasn't Vieira 25? Oh, Vieira was 25? Yeah, it was a main event. Oh, okay, main and, she, event, and yeah. she got dominated pretty much that whole fight, right? Yep. When I remember. Yeah. She did not I think ever she, look I close to winning. There, point, yeah. okay. there were points when she was competitive. Okay. Point being, I guess the question is, is Tate, Misha Tate, is she going to be content with being basically, to me, the UFC has to use her to build up other fighters at this point. Is she going to be okay with that? I guess that's the question. Seems like she is. Yeah. If, if she's yeah. okay with just fighting. And being, I mean, it, almost like a, like a Jim Miller in a sense. I'm, I know it's not the same, but no, Jim Miller, I don't think he has title aspirations. But I think he's like, you know, I just want to fight. I'm going to win. I'm going to lose. But I enjoy fighting. If, Jim if Miller okay. at least says that he has title aspirations. I don't know if he actually believes that himself, but <laughs> he has said that. Uh, I wish. I think she should part retire. Of me, <laughs> part of me wishes I don't think she needs a- to. Part of me wishes she didn't go down to flyweight because now the rematch with Holly Holm finally makes sense, but it's not going to happen. They're in two different divisions. She just go right back up to thing. Yeah, but bo- women's bodies are far different than male bodies, and it's hard to you know pack on muscle, lose muscle, pack on muscle, lose muscle. And Holly is, as you said, a hoss. So you're going to want to get physically bigger to fight Holly Holm. Yeah, maybe. I think she should retire. Uh, I don't think she needs to. I don't think you need to like have the yeah. conversation or whatever. But I think all MMA fighters that aren't Conor McGregor should retire because you're not making enough money for the amount of risk and damage you're putting your body through. But if you want to do it, me, no, who, am I, who am I to tell I, you how to earn a paycheck? I think Misha should be on the broadcast team. I think she's very good on camera. Yeah, I mean, she is. I, I totally agree with that. Get her, yeah. get her in yep. an announcer booth. Can't be worse than some of the things they've done in that regard. <laughs> uh, I think and I think she should go back to 35. I think she has better, easier fights at 35. 35 is a worse division by de- sure. sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. That division's bad. Yeah. Just do fun. Yeah, just get in there and do some fun fights. You know. Thoughts on Cody versus Jessica Penne? I mean, we've been singing Emily Cody's praises good. at MMA fighting for a couple of years now, but yeah, that was a great performance. That was great she for it. She battered just kept petting leg, and yeah. What I like about Emily Ducote so much is that everything she does, like literally every single thing she does in that cage, means something. Every movement, every like circular, jerk, every punch, every kick, every planting of the foot, everything she does has meaning. There's no wasted movements at all. Randy wasted mo- no wasted movements. I love that. It made so much sense. Like everything she does has purpose and meaning, and there's no wasted energy. She doesn't flail. She doesn't do anything wild. Everything is just by the book. It's just she looks fantastic. And Jessica thought- Penny is a dog. Yeah. That was a great performance. I was really impressed. What did you think of Dakota, Jose? Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure I wrote the one the recap for the site when she uh threw a baseball bat across the head of was it daniel taylor. She, daniel taylor uh so yeah she's been violent for a long time and then people kind of forgot about her over the pandemic and so on and so forth but uh yeah it, i i really liked this matchmaking because jessica mm-hmm. penny is a name she's fought for a title she's former you can you know bill it as the invicted champs fighting each other she see, you know, we saw Jessica Penny walking out, and she was really emotional because she was just happy, like she was so emotional to get back into the octagon. So, I really like this matchmaking. It made sense. Emily Dakota is a 
a very violent female and talk about someone that I also think should be on the broadcast. I think Jessica Penny is also very good on the yes. mic. I think she could do I think she could do a lot. Uh maybe not calling fights, but like you know when they kick it to the desk and she's there. I think her and Misha, if they want to do that instead of fight, I think it would be great. But if they want to keep fighting, they both seem really hot, really di- different emotions, but both of them are very excited to be back in the UFC and fighting and continuing. Uh but it's it never looks good when you eat a lot of leg kicks to the point where you take a step and your leg immediately starts to buckle and the commentary is like oh look at her leg like right away they said that so wasn't <laughs> we've seen we've seen Jessica Penne on the receiving end of a lot of one-ended lot like beatdowns like to the Joannas and a couple other fights mm-hmm. fighters in the world so whatever she wants to do she's been doing this for a long time but I hope she continues uh if she wants to keep fighting so be it but if she doesn't I hope the UFC uses her in the, the boots she's very good yeah it's never a good sign on the broadcast when they go to a live shot during the fight and they, they tell the camera guy zoom all the way in on her leg <laughs> just mm-hmm. like her leg on the screen I know you're, you're probably not gonna talk about talk about this on to the next but can I, can I suggest, I think it's time to have Michelle Watterson Gomez versus Jessica Penne, too, in the UFC. Cool. I'm fine with that. Sure. I'm down. It's a good fight. Let's go. Good, solid fight. I, I, think, I think we need to talk more about this fight because it was so freaking awesome. Let's just talk more about it. I was going to say, thank God. Someone yeah. need to talk about this fight. Yeah. We did not. This fight ruled. Yeah, just, it was just, awesome. Just wax. Just tell me everything about Chad, it. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, like, if, like if Shaheen was here, I would have yeah. him paint the one picture because the best writer in the sport. But Jed, I mean, come it, on. Go ahead. It, it's probably the round of the year, though. You could also just throw a dart at any of the rounds into Shara Prahashka yeah, for, for the same. So I'm not confident it's the round of the year. That just had five of them. So they stand out less than this one did. But uh, – the first round was like a fun round, and the second round was just absolutely bananas. Like I don't, I have no. Matt Schnell is not a man who's unknockoutable. In fact, he's been quite <laughs> knockoutable for a lot of fights in his career. And so when Sumit Ergy was just that, I mean, he was tuning him up anyway. But that one elbow, like where he just came over and landed clean on the side, I was astonished that that didn't just face plant Schnell. And then he kept trying to like force it and do it when Schnell like just had his hands up. He was like, please don't do that to me again. <laughs> but the whole thing was insane. And then I don't know because Snell was also throwing heat back, which was a horrifically bad like strategy as far as the whole time. I was like, I didn't care. I had a bet on the under. I didn't care who got got. I just want somebody to get got. And it was like, why is Snell throwing back? He should just dive on the hips because he can obviously submit this human being if he does. Uh, but he just kept firing back. And I don't know if one of those ended up hurting Sumaderji because some of them landed and got through. Or Sumaderji just got physically exhausted from the Homer Simpsoning of Matt Schnell. But then as soon as he got – like as soon as that fight went to the floor, that was it. Like I had no doubt in my mind that Schnell was about to wrap this thing up because he instantaneously moved to mount. Maderji rolled and then there was the finishing yeah. sequence. But that was that was awesome. Like – there's, uh, I think the UFC tweeted it. Maybe somebody else did. Live odds had Matt Schnell as a plus 3,000 underdog in the middle of that round when he was getting obliterated. And then 20 seconds later or whatever it was, he turned the tide and won. So that, that, that was awesome round. It was the most fun of the entire card by far. Is that is that submission of the year? No. 
No, I don't think so. It's got to be on the sh- it's got to be on the short it's, list. It's, it's, I, I don't, it's I don't in the think five. It's number one. It's in the five, yeah, in but five. I don't think it's number one. I mean, if we have comeback of the I, year, that's comeback. Oh, of the it's year. comeback of the year yeah, for it's, sure. I don't know, man. Tough, I think because I don't know. Glover had full oh, yeah, 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 the shit out of yeah, him yeah, right yeah, before yeah, he yeah. got. That, that was the problem. The that, that, yeah, year, that, 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 Yuri Glover was so freaking good. Like everything the, else is kind of that could be. The problem is that fight that could be fight of the year, comeback of the year, and round of the year, all in one round of the year. It's all three of those for me at the moment, and that's the problem. I thought of this fight when it was happening. I was like. That Dude, might be yeah. round of the year. And then I was like, actually, round five, that's, yeah. I don't know if any of those rounds are as good as any of the Glover to uh, Prohashka rounds. And I was like, actually, this fight is kind of just a miniature version <laughs> of Glover. Like, like, like literally, yeah. <laughs> and just, yeah, just like physically smaller and condensed. It was just that. That was the fight. Um, honestly, the more I think about it, the more I'm coming around to the idea that Glover year is the best fight of all time. I've watched it like four times since. That fight is unbelievably cool. In terms of pure entertainment, absolutely. Just pure entertainment and high stakes, oh yeah. I was not confident I would ever see a fight that I would feel like could at least contend with Condit Lawler, which for my money is the best fight of all time. Yes. That fight is is in the conversation for me after watching it a bunch. Like this week or like around the last week or so was the anniversary of 189. So I was doing a lot of the the socials for it, and I rewatched Lawler Rory. It too. holds up so well. It oh, that does, one holds up less well. But that's what I'm saying. Lawler Lawler Rory was not great until the last like two rounds no. or so. Yeah, yeah. the first Condit, two were not that but interesting. Like, yeah, but the but there the singular moments there are etched in stone. So if you want yeah. to tell me that the, it's the greatest fight, fine. I don't think it is. The post round uh, yeah, face off uh, is just iconic in a way that few things are in this sport. And the fact that Ro- Ro- uh, Robbie Lawler had two mouths on his face uh, is also pretty pretty wild. But yeah, Condit Robbie is just a better fight. Yeah. I think Con- I had more. I was more entertained martial art wise at Condit GSP. Honestly, that fight is. I think I don't think enough people talk about that as a, one of the great fights ever. Too. It's a really fun fight. But yeah, I. Uh, well, I don't know how we got down this rabbit hole, but the point is, <laughs> if you want to call that fight, if you want to call that round of the year, I won't have an issue with it. But I think there are five rounds uh, <laughs> in the light heavyweight title fight this year that have an equally strong case for that. Yeah, certainly the fifth round of that fight, which is probably the best round of that fight. Yeah, I think Anthony Smith said it best. I, I spoke with him at Radio Row. We talked about that fight because he had said some things like the headlines may not really reflect what he meant because he said like both guys had terrible performances. At least like that's what came out of his mouth when he was on I mean, the MAR. I mean, they did kind of, but they also had the But at the same token, yeah, I, I was like, what did you think of that fight? Like, where would you rank it? Like now that you've gone back and watched it and digested it. And he said, in historical context, it's nowhere near the top. But in terms of entertainment, there's no close seconds. That's what he said. Yeah. Also, near the top is a bold fight. Fighting in Singapore is so much harder than people think for the I'm weather, confident. the time difference. Dude. Like Glover's wake cut was like, I didn't pan. Did he have to go to want, the sauna? I didn't <laughs> just pan walk around over to it. But when Glover and Yuri faced off, because remember how it was like old style Wayne's where they had to get on the stage sucked out? Oh, yeah. And then he yeah. walked up. He looks like death getting off the scale. He looked like he was going to just pass out from walking down the stairs. And then uh, Yuri also did not have the easiest weight cut. So, yeah, if they rematched on neutral territory, 
in a not crazy climate of Singapore, I'm curious how it plays out. Are they going to take a couple? Take a couple more. I hope so. Yeah. All right, dude. I'll take infinite. We have so much time. It's not even seven o'clock. We could we could do this for six hours. My Saturday would be normal though. Got to be team players. Got to be team players. Stuff that needs to be written. There might be a surprise coming up on this channel a little bit later. So just keep stay tuned here. Well, if I know the question, let me ask you this, though. This is kind of talking about this. Did Michelle make a mistake by stopping by, I don't know, by by accepting that she tapped it, even though the ref didn't see it? Well, sure, I'll, answer this, I'll answer this because I was zoning out for most of the rambling. According to MMAfighting.com, she did the incorrect thing because she had sportsmanship. Next question. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she objects. Like, it, if we talk about it all the time, and Casey, you throw this one out a lot more than the rest, or than I do, certainly, of like, well, he didn't get two paychecks. And like, hey, man. If, if that's the guiding light at getting two paychecks, which is a reasonable guiding light because this is a profession and the purpose of professions is to make money, then yeah, she did the wrong thing. But, you know, props to good sportsmanship or whatever. No one likes to be Matt Lindland. Yeah. Yeah, I think – yeah, she would have got – yeah, she was in a bad – yeah. I think when she was released from that, from that choke, I don't think she even knew where she was. So I don't – I am – yeah. I'm with you on that because the way she got up did not seem like she had it all together. Yeah, that felt that felt like a real tap because I am out of this tap, not a oh this sucks tap. Yeah, correct. All right, uh, it was kind of like the Dustin Jacoby Dow and Jung knockout because Dow and Jung bounced up and always you know went backwards off, and but we knew but like yeah, Dustin Jacoby always, did it right and Dow and Jung was banged off. up and that was the right call. That was the right call. He's done. Uh, I don't. This I don't know. What this question means, but maybe I missed something. Why is uh, Abadar being advertised as home territory of Islam Makachev? Because of two eighty. Because it because he likes to fight there. Because it's because it is it is in the Middle East, which is a vast majority of, of Muslim people, yeah, and it's a religious thing. Yeah, yeah. not yes. not a yeah. Yeah. thing. Yeah. I'll tell you, yeah, when I was there, the UFC isn't going to Russia, but they are going there. What is, what, I can't remember the 267, 267? Was that the last Abu Dhabi card? I lose track of That was the October things. card. That was a yeah, goal so, on the title, yeah. I can't remember the name. Yeah, so UFC 267 Abu Dhabi, uh, Lee Jing Leon got booed mercilessly, and Hamzat was a rock star. Same as Corey Sanhagen and Jan, so... This is a home. T- this it's not a home crowd, but it is definitely enemy territory for Charles Oliveira. Islam yeah, fought on that card too, right? Yeah, he ate. Does the Dan Hooker alive. fight, right? Yeah. Yes. He ate Dan. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think when I yeah, when I was there, there for Habib versus uh, Dustin. Poirier. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was. Yeah. This is. Yeah, 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 it like, felt like Habib was from Abu Dhabi. Like it felt like, like I've down for sure. Like the I've said. Yeah, like I've said a thousand times, before, as soon as Charles beat Justin Gaethje, I said they are going to make this specific fight in Abu Dhabi because if Charles Oliveira beats Islam Makhachev in Abu Dhabi, give him whatever he wants, give him whatever. If he goes, I want to fight Connor in Rio. Yup, cool, man. You're a champion now, so you get pay per view points. So you should fight Connor with the belt, not for a vacant title. 
So good on him for taking this fight. I agree. If he goes, I want to fight Volkanovski in Rio, great. If he wants well, to fight Francis Ngannou, great. I don't care. Because that that point, Charles is probably if you if he beats Islam and someone goes, Charles is the greatest light, whatever, I'm not gonna argue. I'm not going to argue. If he beats Islam, there now now he I think he is inching yeah. in there now. Yeah. If he, yeah. Big, I, I want to see how he does it. Really, I want to see really how he does it. Yeah. Big because if we get a replay of the main event today really and it's just a weird injury. Not not the best. But if he goes out there and does what he did to Justin and Dustin and Michael Chandler, who I think are three of the seven <laughs> three of the seven best lightweights ever, then yeah, Charles Oliveira is the best lightweight ever. I don't know. That's a really uh, interesting question. Still yeah. a giant if. He's gotta get that giant if. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just yeah. mean his it would be such a fascinating question because of all the all the losses a, he has he would have, already. He would have a better resume than Habib. Uh, I mean, a lot losses, of people. If you don't, if you don't count the yeah. losses, that's the, if you just count it's, wins. It, you don't count the losses. I don't have an issue with the argument. I just think it's a really interesting question. Yeah, I am not I also, to say that like. I also think there's like I've said this a few times on the show. The difference between greatness and talent, and the fact that he was what ten and nine, and now he's all of a sudden at the top of the mountain. That is a great feat. To, to pull oh, off unbelievable. he could be he's not more talented than habib but he could be greater than habib yeah oh, if yeah. you if he went if, no, if he beats yeah. if he beats islam and wins his 12 fight, fight in a row if we compare the 12 fights the, the recent 12 fights of Oliveira to the 12 most recent fights of habib it's i mean it's close it's it's at worst it's like neck and neck for Oliveira. at worst sure. but you can make a strong then case he, that Oliveira's is better I, I and then Conor McGregor's gonna knock him out. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh man, uh, there's like a real possibility. It's like absolutely. a real possibility. I mean, every, absolutely everyone everyone drops fight. Charles before they lose. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> that's the issue. That's the issue, and that's why that's why Habib will be so hard for Oliver ever to beat because Habib was just dominant. That's all. It was just dominant, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I, and, yeah. and 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 it's just what you what you like more at that point. What what you weigh more. I, I get why people are saying Oliver. No yeah, it's a fine argument. I think it's interesting. Trying to match make featherweight, yeah, you're Emmett number one contender, sure, uh, or interim title fight. I feel like this is the fight no matter what, yeah, you're versus Emmett. Uh, yeah. Alan Mitchell, yeah, just a case of the fluke in the first fight. I don't know if Bryce is going to get Alan, maybe. Uh, Who's that other cat that was supposed to fight Ilya a couple times? Evloyev. Yeah, that's the fight for Mitchell because they're ranked, they're stacked on top of each other in the rankings. That's, that's what Evloyev wants. Yeah, yeah. I, that, I think that would be a dope shoot fight. Higher. I mean, if I would rule, but is Bryce yeah. Mitchell Ortega, injured right now? I like Ortega. Uh, no. Yeah, he hurt. Well, he's he's on the mend, but he got he was injured and he injured himself in the Barboza fight. Oh, okay. just probably broke and, bro, and broke Dana, his hands. I think Dana Dana's already said he might be down to do Yair Emmett for an interim title. Yeah, saw that yeah. at the post. I, like I mean, it. that's yeah. just that's, what's happening. That's fine. I like it. That's fine. That's like what's it. gonna happen. Totally fine. I like Ortega Cater would be dope too. In I like that last fight part. too. Uh, that actually yeah, be a really good fight. Ortega Cater Cater is really fun, but that will happen in a year because Ortega's out for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Hold on one moment. Is that it? Anything else? Uh, yeah. That's pretty much it. Okay. We see the window pane. That yeah. means it's time to hit the music. Yeah. So. All I'll say is, if you enjoy matchmaking, if you want to dive deeper into matchmaking, maybe uh, 
maybe set those notifications because something might just pop up randomly with myself and my best friend AK to talk some matchmaking. Maybe later on tonight, maybe like two hours from right now. So wow. get some dinner, get a bite Taking to eat. Taking advantage of the grab early a start time. And let's do this thing. So, but it might happen tomorrow too. But you're just gonna have to stay tuned right here to find out when and where that's gonna happen. But we are done for Jose, for Jed, for EKC. I am Mike Heck. It was a fun card. It was main event. Main event ended in a in a rough way, but overall, this is a damn good card. This is a damn good card. It's on to London, baby. Thanks for watching. See you. Hey, later. London and Tommy Espino. Tommy you're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.